over the course of the last few weeks, we've been in this series where we've been looking at the story behind some of our favorite Christmas carols and what they teach us about the Christmas story. A few years back, Time Magazine did a study of the biggest, most popular Christmas songs of all time. They looked at all of the Christmas songs, both secular as well as religious, and they looked to see how many times those particular songs had been recorded over the last 40 years. And they just ranked them by sheer number of recordings. And it was no surprise to me that the number one Christmas song of all time in recordings is the Christmas carol, Silent Night. In fact, Silent Night has been recorded over 733 times, almost twice as many times as the second most popular song of all time, Joy to the World. Silent Night. There's quite a little bit of mystery and even a big legend around the writing of Silent Night. Not the least of which is the legend about an organ breaking down right before the Christmas Eve service and Silent Night being scribbled on a piece of paper in the back at the last minute in order to save the service. But in fact, that's just a legend. Fake news. That's not the actual story of Silent Night. Silent Night was written by an Austrian pastor by the name of Joseph Moore, M-O-H-R. It was actually a poem he wrote, and it was called Stil Nacht which is German for Silent Night. A couple of years later, he asked a friend of his, a guy named Franz Gruber, if he would write a melody and maybe a guitar accompaniment so that they could sing this poem as a song on Christmas Day at their Christmas services. And that's how Silent Night was born. What's really interesting about the song is that all of these years since then, it was written back in 1818. So all these many years later, We've forgotten, most of us at least, about Joseph Moore and Franz Gruber. But around the world this weekend, millions, even billions of people sang the song they wrote, Silent Night. Have you ever wondered why? Why was Jesus born that silent night? Why did Christmas have to happen? God doesn't do anything accidentally. God always has a purpose in everything he does. God has a purpose for you tuning in online here today at SEC. Nothing is ever an accident with God. There's a purpose behind that. Why did Jesus come? Why was he born? What is the meaning of Christmas? Well, that's the question I want to explore this morning. And this morning I want to share with you four reasons from the Bible why Jesus Christ the Savior was born. If you want to open your message notes up on your devices or grab them if you printed them off on the PDF. Let's look at why Jesus Christ the Savior was born. Jesus Christ the Savior was born, number one, to reveal God's identity. He was born to reveal God's identity. Jesus came to show us what God is really like. There's a lot of crazy ideas out there about God. And sometimes I have to laugh because I hear people say things like, well, I like to think of God as, and then they fill in the blank. Or they say, well, in my mind, God must be like this. And then they fill in the blank. And I just think to myself, you know what? It really doesn't matter what you or I think God is like. What matters is 
What is God really like? And that's why Jesus came at Christmas, to show us what God is really like. Some people have kind of a false idea of God. They think God is some harmless old weak grandfather. He's a nice enough guy and all, but he's too old or too weak or too out of touch to be able to do anything of significance in our world today. Other people like to think of God as some kind of impersonal force. I call this the Star Wars God. May the force be with you. They think that God is some kind of impersonal force. But God is not a power. He's a person. You can have a relationship with God. Some people think of God as an angry judge. They think that God's just up there in heaven and he's watching them and he can't wait for them to mess up so he can just hammer and pound them for all their mistakes that they've ever made. Other people think that God is angry at them all the time. And that's why their life doesn't make sense. Or that's why everything seems so unfair. And God doesn't seem like, like God's angry at other people. But boy, is he always angry with me. Listen, none of that is the truth. None of those things help us understand who God is. And that's why Jesus came to earth. To help us know who God is and to help reveal God's identity. Now, John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God but his only Son, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has told us about him. You see, Jesus came to tell us about God so we could really know the God of this universe, the God who made us, the God who created this universe. He's up close and personal. He's not far off and distant. And Jesus came to tell us that. Jesus came to tell us that God loves us. And we know this because God sent his son to live among us and to die on the cross for our sins so that they could be forgiven and we could have a home in heaven. Jesus came to tell us that God is our heavenly father. Have you ever thought about that? That's kind of an odd thing. God is my heavenly father. Did you know that no other world religion has ever claimed that God is father? But Jesus told us that we should pray, our father in heaven. You see, God is approachable. He's personal. Jesus came to tell us that. Jesus came to tell us that God is caring, that he's compassionate, that he's consistent, that he's competent, that he's capable And we know all of this about God because Jesus came to show that to us. Jesus came to make God visible to us. He came into the world the same way as all of us came into the world. I don't know if you ever thought about that or not, but he's God. He can come into the world any way he wants to. There could have been a big party with fireworks. There could have been an explosion, bright lights. There could have been all kinds of things. But Jesus came into the world the same way that we all did. He was born into the world. Why is that? Well, the reason why is because nobody's afraid of a baby. You see, Jesus came to save us, not to scare us. And he came into this world so that we can know of God's love for us. In fact, look at what the Bible says in John 1.14. So the Word became human and made his home among us. 
He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This is so important that Jesus came and made his home among us because the fact that Jesus came and lived among us means that he understands us. Jesus understands your pain and your pressures. He understands our habits and our hang-ups. He understands our problems. He understands the things that we go through. He understands our fears that we live with in 2021. And he understands the fears that we have heading into 2022. You see, Jesus came to show us that God is personal, that God loves us personally, that he understands us, that he is with us. If we put our hope and our faith in him, then we don't have to fear anything, that we can know that we are secure in his hands. We can trust him with our lives. Jesus came to reveal God's identity. But Jesus also came, number two, to relate God's message. Jesus Christ, the Savior, was born to relate God's message. By the way, it's the greatest message ever given. It's the good news of the gospel. And we find that in John 5, verse 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Jesus came to share a message, a message of hope, a message of redemption, a message of how our lives can be changed and our relationship with God can be restored when we put our hope and faith in Jesus as the Savior and as the leader of our lives. Jesus came to communicate this truth. Nowadays, we don't know who to believe about anything. We don't know whether to believe this person or that person or this news channel or that channel. Who knows what? Fake news everywhere. We don't know what to believe. With the Internet, anybody can literally say anything about anyone, anytime, and people will believe it. People are searching for truth. Where can you find truth in a world full of lies? Well, if you want to find the truth, you find that in Jesus Christ. Look what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, notice what Jesus is saying here, because this is a verse that you have to decide. You have to decide what are you going to believe. This is a dividing line verse. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I am one way. He didn't say, I am a good way. He didn't even say, I am the best way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the only way to God. I am the only way to heaven. And that forces a decision. Because either Jesus is who he says he is, or this weekend, all around the world, billions of people celebrated a fake, a phony, and a fraud. Jesus says, I am the way. But then he also said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I'm part of the truth. He didn't say, I'm a half-truth, or I'm a truth. He said, I am the truth. I embody the truth, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, the problem is 
sometimes we don't like to accept the truth. If the truth is inconvenient or doesn't meet my standards of what I think is best, well, I'm not very happy with the truth. So I like go over here and I kind of make up my own truth and say, well, you know, I think it must be like this. But no, the Bible says that Jesus is the truth. And when you know the truth, the Bible says it sets you free. In fact, knowing the truth is like turning the light on in a dark hallway. If you're walking down a dark hallway and it's pitch black, you can have confidence to move forward down that hallway if you can see light at the end of the hall. Jesus says, I am the light. John 12:46 Jesus says I am a light that shines in this dark world so all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I think it's I think it's so neat that here in the northern hemisphere that Christmas comes at the darkest time of the year. Just a couple of days ago was the longest night of the year. For those of us who live in the Northern Hemisphere, Christmas comes at a time of the year where the night is the darkest. And Jesus says, I am the light that lights up the dark world that you live in. I don't know what kind of dark world that you're in right now. But I do know that Christmas time and the holiday season, they can certainly bring the dark world home for us. And maybe right now you're going through... A financial problem, or maybe maybe it's a marriage problem. Maybe you're dealing with a physical health issue, or maybe an emotional issue, or a relationship issue. Maybe you're going through this Christmas season all alone. Or maybe you're going through this Christmas for the first time without somebody that you dearly love. They weren't around the table at Christmas dinner yesterday. Listen. I don't know what dark world that you may be living in right now, but I do know this. This is the good news of Christmas. Jesus said, I can bring light into your dark world when you put your trust in me as Savior and when you trust me as your leader. Jesus came to show us what God is really like to reveal God's identity. Christ the Savior was born to relate God's message And then, number three, Jesus Christ, the Savior, was born to recover God's creation. Jesus came to recover God's creation. Let me explain this. I need to go back to the beginning. Because the Bible says that when God created the earth, this was a perfect place. There was no pain, no problems, there was no sorrow, there was no sin. There were no toils, no trials, no troubles. Everything was perfect. But when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into the world, and our world was broken. We live in a fallen world. Have you noticed that? Nothing in our world works the way it should. Our health doesn't work correctly. The weather doesn't always work correctly. Your relationships don't always work correctly. The economy certainly doesn't work correctly. In fact, everything in our world is broken. And you only have to turn on your television or read the headlines on your news feed to see that the world that we live in is broken. Nothing is perfect except for God's Word. God's Word is perfect and stands true no matter what. 
But everything else in our world is broken. Relationships are broken. Dreams are broken. Plans are broken. Promises get broken. Everything has been broken and hindered and hampered by sin. The Bible says that Jesus came to fix all of that. He came to restore what was broken. He came to renew what was worn out, what had fallen apart. And he came to rebuild what was lost. Luke 19.10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man will come to seek and save those who are lost. So who are the lost? Well, the Bible says that we're all lost. That because sin separates us from God, we're all lost. Some people don't like that name. They don't want to be called lost. They think that being called lost actually shows a lack of respect. But actually, it's quite the opposite. You see, lostness implies value. I don't lose a paperclip. I misplace a paperclip. I don't lose a a big pen. I misplace it. Now, if it's one of those $425 Montblanc Meisterstück pens, well, you've lost it. And the reason why is because it's so valuable, crazy value. Jesus came on a rescue mission to restore what was lost, to recover God's creation, to to seek what was valuable. He came for you and me. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, a lot of people want to keep Jesus as a little baby. He's a little easier to handle that way for some of us. But the Bible says that for unto you a Savior is born. See, Jesus didn't remain a little baby in a manger. He grew up to be a man. He grew up to teach and proclaim God's truth. He grew up to die on a cross for your sins and my sins so that we could be forgiven and so that our relationship with God could be restored. And I just want to be real honest with you this morning because if you're watching today and you've never trusted Jesus as the Savior and the leader of your life, you are lost. You are lost and separated from God. But I want you to know that God loves you. In fact, the reason that you're watching today is so God could tell you how much he loves you. How much he's done to restore the relationship with you. Believe me, if you didn't need a Savior, Jesus would not have come. If you didn't need a Savior, he would not have had to be born in the manger. If there had been any other way, he would not have had to be stretched out his arms and die on the cross for you. But it's the only way. Let me just be really candid with you here for just a moment. Because if you think about it, there are some things this year and over the previous years that you've done that you're not very proud of. Some things you've said or some things you've done that you wish you hadn't done. And you probably live with some guilt or some shame in your life. And the reason why I know this is because I do too. Because we're all broken. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We've all messed up. 
But that's why Jesus came. He came so that our past can be forgiven and so that we can have the hope of a life with him. All that guilt, all that garbage that you've been carrying around, you don't have to carry that into 2022. You don't have to carry that anymore. Jesus came so that you don't have to carry that in your life. You can let that go. Let it go. You can move into this new year as a new person. Jesus came at Christmas and he died on the cross and rose again on Easter so that you don't have to carry that guilt anymore. He came to forgive you, but he also came to give you a new life. And that leads to our fourth reason why Jesus Christ the Savior was born. He was born to reproduce, number four, he was born to reproduce God's life in me. He was born at Christmas. He died and rose again on Easter, not only to forgive our sins, but to give us a new life. In John 10.10, Jesus says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Notice he didn't say, My purpose is to give you religion. He didn't say, My purpose is to give you rules and regulations. He didn't say, My purpose is to strap you down with religious things that you have to do in order to make yourself good enough. No. He said, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Jesus offers you new life, abundant life, eternal life. Here's what that means. That means until you really know Jesus, you're not really living. It's true. Most people don't really live. Most people just exist. They get up in the morning. They go to work. They come home. They watch a little TV, they go to bed at night, and they do the same thing. Rinse and repeat the next day after the next day after the next. And then on the weekend, they have a little fun, and they say, this is, oh, man, I'm really living. This is the life. No, you're not living. That's not the life. You're just existing. You're not living the life that God has for you. Most people are just getting by. They're living lives without meaning without purpose, and without direction. They drifted through 2020 and 2021, and they're going to drift through 2022, too. You see, most people regret the past, and they fear the future, so they can't really live today. But Jesus came so that you can have life. In fact, the word life is mentioned over 200 times in the New Testament. I think God's trying to get our attention that what he has for us is not the same old life that we've lived up until this point, but a new life in Christ, an abundant life, a full life, a life of purpose, a life of peace, a life of power, a life where we experience and sense God's presence. That is the kind of life that God offers you, and that abundant life is not just for the here and now. It's for all of eternity. It's eternal life. It doesn't end at death. It goes on forever with God in heaven. And that's the good news of Christmas, that this gift, the gift that God gives you at Christmas, freedom from your past, hope for today, an eternal home in heaven. 
This time of year, we talk a lot about Christmas and giving gifts. And what's the perfect gift to give? What's, what kind of gift do I want to get this year? I hope you got all the gifts you wanted, but listen, God gave you the very first Christmas gift. It's the greatest gift that's ever been given. The Bible says that God loved the world, so he gave. He gave his one and only son. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Let me ask you a question this morning. Let's say for Christmas, I gave you this, this gift this Christmas. And you took it home with you, and you put it over in the corner, and I came back to you the next Christmas and said, hey, did, did, did you open the gift? How did you like the Christmas gift I gave you? And you were like, well, you know, Pastor Jerry, I, I've been meaning to get to it. It's just been so busy this year, and there's just been a lot going on. I haven't really had a chance to open it yet. I would be like, what? Give me that gift back. Listen. God has given you a gift. It's the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. It's the gift of freedom, the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of new life, the gift of eternal life, the gift of his love and a relationship with him. And it is amazing to me that people will go Christmas after Christmas after Christmas and not open God's gift to them. God's gift to you is his son, Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with him. And if you don't open that gift, if you never open that gift, well, you're missing the real purpose of Christmas. The purpose of Christmas is that God sent his, this gift to you. He, he came as Jesus Christ, and you cannot fully enjoy Christmas or even your life until you open that gift that God has for you. You know, that very first silent night, the night that Jesus was born, the world was too busy and too distracted to notice that God's gift had come. And I want to close today by reading something that was written by Dr. Charles Swindoll, the pastor and the theologian. And I want to read it to you. It's a little long. And I want you to pay attention to the words. Dr. Swindoll writes, who would have thought that the birth of a baby born in Bethlehem would be so significant? The entire world was watching Rome in all her splendor. The Roman Empire occupied everyone's attention and conversation. Rome was the news. And all eyes were on Augustus, the cynical Caesar who demanded that a census be taken so as to determine the measurement to enlarge his taxes. And at that time, who was interested in a poor couple making an 80-mile trip south from Nazareth? Who cared about a Jewish baby boy born in Bethlehem? God did. And without realizing it, Swindoll writes, the mighty Augustus was only an errand boy for the fulfillment of Micah's prophecies that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. I love that. He was just a pawn in the hand of Jehovah. 
a piece of lint on the pages of prophecy. While Rome was busy making history, God had arrived in a stable under a star, and the world didn't even notice. Great. Augustus the Great, Herod the Great, in the wake of Alexander the Great, and the world overlooked Mary's little lamb. Listen, I don't want you to overlook the gift that God has for you this Christmas. I don't want you to overlook Jesus. I want you to know and experience the hope of Christmas, the hope that the angels told the shepherds about in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. But the angels reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Messiah, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Would you bow your heads and pray with me wherever you are? As we pray today, I want to invite you today to pray this prayer in your heart right now so that you can begin a personal relationship with God. And if you do this next year, that we're about to begin in a few days, can be a year unlike any other for you. It could be a year that's the best year of your life. And not only the best of your life, but the best life for the rest of your life. And if that's you and you're watching today and you've never said yes to God's gift, His Son, Jesus, then I want you to just pray this prayer in your heart. Just say this. Say, say, Dear God, right where you're at, just think it or say it. Say, Dear God, I don't understand it all, but I thank you for sending Jesus at Christmas time. Thank you that he came to show me the way. Thank you that he came to give me life. Thank you that he came to forgive my sins. Thank you that he came to show me what you're really like. And thank you that he came to restore that which was broken in my body, in my life, and in my relationships. And thank you that he wants me to be with him forever. So pray this to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to learn to love you and to trust you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. That's your prayer. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I don't understand it all right now, but I want to follow you. I want to turn away from the way that I've been living my life. And I want to live my life for you from this point forward. So I ask you to fill my life with your love and your presence. That I may have not just a new life, but an abundant life and an eternal life. So today, on the day after Christmas Day of 2021, I say yes to you, Jesus Christ. I receive your Christmas gift. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, Amen.